0: I was being trained to be uh, a, a, a warlock. I was being trained with witches that were in the, in the religion. The story about
1: the digging, the hearing of the sounds from hell is very real. After,
0: Papa tells us to hold a knife, and then he puts his big hand on, He puts his eight into the neck, cuts it.
2: You couldn't speak to the devil right
0: away. You had to earn your right to speak to the devil. I listened to a tape recording. There were infants crying, children crying. Adults chanting. If If you mess with the devil, he'll kill you, he'll kill your family. I warn you, what you are about to hear
1: is very disturbing indeed.
3: sure is alright if you like fighting. That is Scissor Fight and Jay Fortin of Scissor Fight is our guest this week on Stillborn Goat 666 Heavy Metal Podcast. Now for those of you not familiar with Scissor Fight, number one, how dare you? You should be ashamed of yourself. But uh, the band fell apart uh, in 2006. Singer Iron Long really went off the grid. The band went into a cryogenic freeze and Jay and Paul Jarvis remain. As Doug Aubin joins on vocals now, Rick Orcutt on drums, and Jay took a good bit of time to sit down and talk to us about the beginnings of Scissor Fight, the success of the band through the 90s into the 2000s, and the band disbanding in 2006, and thankfully resurrecting in 2016. So let's start at the beginning. Jay, how did Scissor Fight start? It
2: started back in, uh, 94, I wanna say, Paul or something and uh Jarvis and I the bass player Paul Jarvis and I had just come out of doing some band stuff that we you know we weren't happy with or what it just didn't go anywhere or whatever and uh we decided that we needed to start a band um with people we liked rather than necessarily musicians <laughs> you know what I mean yeah and, uh, Uh, so, you know, nothing against musicians, but, um, we, uh, so yeah, we just found a couple people. I I knew a guy named Joel Muzzy, who was uh, a friend of mine who, uh, played drums, and so I got him in the band, and then we found a friend of ours that had a roommate that had never been in a band but walked around posing like he was, and that was uh, Chris or Iron Lung. Uh, so we met with him and we just kind of, you know, did the old, uh, here's, a, here's a couple songs
3: on a cassette tape and see if you can put words to it, you know. One of the most endearing things about Scissor Fight besides Jay's tuning on the 71 is the lyrical content a lot of urban legends, weird stories, backwoods drinking, fighting, fucking? Was that the intent from the beginning, or did that just kind of organically happen with the lyrics?
2: The whole like New Hampshire thing, kind of, you know, was was there from the beginning? Since that's where we were all living and started the band and everything, and we just kind of played up on on that. But uh, you know the. The lyrical content was, I think we, you know, I don't know if we really had a a talk about it, but it was just, you know, it was pretty obvious that we weren't going to be singing songs about feelings or anything. And then it just went from there and whatever, Iron Lungs imagination, you know. I mean, we discussed things over the years, but uh, that was, you know.
3: That was about all there was to that. Their first album was released in 96. It was called Guaranteed Kill, and the first cut on the album is American Cloven Hoof Blues. The title came
2: first because we thought it was funny, and uh, it seemed to kind of fit the musical style we were going for, you know, which is kind of a, you know, a, a heavier blues rock groove type of shit you know it it uh so that was the title of the that's what we used to call the music and then whatever he wrote for words uh may or may not have anything to do with that
3: off guaranteed kill the 1996 first release from scissor fight now how did you get into music heavier music what were the influences that helped to shape that scissor fight sound jay for me uh
2: my i grew up you know i mean when i was when i was really young I, like before high school or whatever i was into all the usual 70s hard you know rock stuff. And what, you know, Credence, Clearwater, you know, the Nuge, ACDC, all that stuff. And then um, when, then I started finding out a little bit about punk rock. And this was, you know, like really almost when it was actually happening. So the Sex Pistols and the Ramones and Clash and all that stuff. We started becoming aware of that, and uh, and then that was it. Then I was just that's all I was into, and until uh, until I saw a um, a uh, an issue of uh, uh, Action Now magazine, probably back in I don't know seventy nine ish eighty something like that. So, Action now magazine was was it used to be called Skateboarder magazine, and we were, you know, I was big into skateboarding, and they had an article on Black Flag, and uh, and a little picture, and that was it. That was, from then on, it was I was all I was all about the that West Coast uh, punk, and so that that is for heavy music. I I didn't really even get into that until closer to the, you know, the uh, early 90s. Um, you know, and then I think the first, I first started hearing a little bit of, I heard some stuff from uh, Pantera, and then of course then Caius came along, and
3: that was that was a big deal, so. There was only one band, however, that sounds like Scissor Fight, and that's Scissor Fight. Tell us about that guitar sound. Well, yeah, it, uh,
2: it, it's true. The the guitar I, I use is a, a 71 Les Paul Custom, and it's got uh, 14 through 60 strings on it, and it's we tune to uh, a, a drop A tuning, so it's pretty low, you know, and um, it... Uh, it, it's just that combination. I've never used anything else, um, other than the occasional backup guitar here and there. But but that Les Paul's been, has a unique sound to it. The pickups, you know, are are awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's it's magic. <laughs> when the band ended in '06, up until just recently, I, I I really didn't even play it. So it, all, it had like a 10-year kind of vacation, you know. I played it a couple times when some friends' bands wanted to do a Scissor Fight song, and I'd, I'd go down there, and, or wherever they were, and play a song with them. But uh, yeah, it's kind of just been sitting dormant, so it's
3: it's pretty excited to be back. 1998 brought Scissor Fight sophomore album Balls Deep in a sound that was constantly evolving, pushing the boundaries of what rock and metal and heavy music can be and sound like. And a standout song on that one is Curse of the Returned Astronaut. What's going on with this one, Jay? <laughs> uh,
2: that one might have been, I mean, I'm sure Chris uh, got that idea maybe from some kind of crazy story about astronauts or whatever, but uh, and then put his own twist on it. Um, but, uh, I would say as far as Scissor Fight goes, that's kind of a, almost a funk tune, isn't it? <laughs>
3: Scissor Fight, Curse of the Returned Astronaut from their album Balls Deep from 1998. So around the Balls Deep album, that's when I caught wind of Scissor Fight from Metal Maniacs Magazine. Honestly, I still miss that publication. And it was a a page bio on the band talking about the lyrical content and the thick sound and a picture of Iron Man looking like he's going to fucking punch every single person in the venue. And that was enough for me. I was sold. So if a guy in Wisconsin... Is becoming a fan around this time. You guys must have noticed the band picking up steam everywhere around Balls Deep.
2: Yeah, probably locally. You know, we we kind of uh, we got, we kind of got attached to the Boston scene of heavy rock stuff uh, at that time, um, and you know, we we it seemed like we pretty quickly made made headway into that and we started doing good shows with with good bands and maybe we started we we didn't play it too far away at that point i don't think but i think like from you know boston and maybe burlington
3: vermont and portland maine and kind of just in the in the new england area and 1999 gave us the album new hampshire and what is probably the most recognizable scissor fight song the Ballad of Jocko Macaco.
2: I know that that was from an actual, like a, a real thing that occurred. A fighting uh, monkey named Jocko Macaco. Some crazy story that Chris found somewhere. Um, so so basically it's a true story. <laughs> uh, and uh, put to music. And... Um, It kind of became... Well, first of all, the the Balls Deep... I mean, uh, Guaranteed Kill and Balls Deep were on a different label. And then... uh, That next album was on uh, Tortuga, which was kind of part of the Hydrahead thing. And, you know, just they had better distribution and all that kind of stuff. And that that song, Choco Macaco, kind of took off a little bit on local Boston radio. So it got a lot like a lot more airplay and stuff. Also at that time we had that little MTV snippet. Um, do you remember those things you hear at first? We did one of those. So and they kind of featured and talked about that song, so you know, that song did pretty good.
3: Jocko Makako from 1999's New Hampshire album from Scissor Fight. And around the New Hampshire album, what was going on with the band internally and with touring on the road?
2: Yeah, we noticed, you know, like, things were a little better and doing some better shows and um, and stuff like that. Some, Yeah, there were some really good shows in that, during that era. We did a couple, you know, like week-long or two-week-long little tours down down the East Coast, down to Florida and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, things were starting to kind of pick up a little bit. And, you know, you mentioned the Metal Maniacs. I think we, it was pretty funny because every, every year Metal Maniacs or, or one of the Metal Edge or one of those magazines would do these little articles like uh, who to look out for in this, you know, this coming year. And we did we got that like three or
3: four years in a row. <laughs> up next in the Scissor Fight discography is Man Trapping for Sporting Profit in my opinion, their absolute best album to date up to that point so what was going on with the band around this time Jay?
2: I think at that point we were we felt kind of like we were about to you know take another step up the ladder you know and the shows were really good and, and um, I think we started kind of selling out some of the local places on a regular basis, we were getting a lot of good press We were, yeah, we would definitely play it out more or taking, you know, getting out of New England a little bit more.
0: The blizzard's moving in. Looks like you're wrong again. When cabin fever hits, it sends us into fits of in keepers' disease and screaming in the trees. The
1: blizzard never ends, the blizzard buries them. Blizzard.
3: I think you heard me The band followed that up with several EPs and uh, were those meant to bridge between full lengths or was the band kind of happy at that point content with releasing a few songs here and there to keep the fans happy
2: The EPs were just a different we hadn't done I think we did did one uh, Piscataqua that was mostly a covers with a couple originals on it and then um but yeah, those other ones were just kind of, I think we just had stuff ready and they, you know, and our label there just was like, all right, let's, let's do an EP, you know? And uh, so we did a couple of those. And then we also did that uh, that Europe only thing, American Clovenhoof Blues uh CD that was supposed to be just Europe and it had some remaster, uh, it had some redone tracks from the first album, I think, and a couple uh, re, uh, new, some new stuff, and and then it had a—I uh, <clears throat> oh, think it had a German language version of uh, New Hampshire's all right if you like fighting. It's Pretty damn funny. We uh, we actually had oh, and I think one of the EPs. One of those EPs we're talking about has a special hidden track on it um, that is basically just uh, Chris being kind of tutored by his brother, who, Kevin, who was the drummer, uh, in how to pronounce the German. You know why they were recording the vocals. It's like five minutes long of them just kind of arguing about how to pronounce. Work. <laughs> it's funny. Ein guter Ort um Sommer
0: zu kampfen. Ein guter Ort um Winter zu kampfen. New
1: in
3: That takes us right up to 2006, just before the release of their next full-length Jaggernaut. So where was the band at, personally and professionally, at this point? As,
2: you know, happens a lot in music, the music bands' world, uh, you know, we've gotten to a point where it was pretty, it seemed like things were going awesome, and then you start hearing a lot of talk amongst people, like, oh yeah, this guy's gonna come see you, and oh yeah, that guy wants to sign you, and... Oh yeah, this big label wants to talk to you and all you know all that kind of crap. And of course, none of that ever happened. Jarvis, Paul, Jarvis, and I had been had kind of been through the musical, the the music business ringer before. You know, like lots of promises for this, that, and the other thing, and then nothing happens, and you just become kind of jaded to it. Uh, Chris had never hadn't. I think he had. I think he. You know, maybe he thought he had a, some hopes riding on things, you know, and just nothing that really happened, nothing big, and uh, that happened during when, that time that we did a U.S. tour, and uh, so I think we started doing a little bit less shows. We took, usually we'd take like the whole summer off and get together in the fall, and do some shows and until the spring, and then, you know, just kind of became a little bit less and less, and, um, but the shows were good, you know, and and when, you know, and then we were starting to work on that next album, so that that was good, um, and we'd also, we'd, al- we'd also been over to uh, England a couple times at that point. We went over there, and toured with some friends of ours band called the Dukes of Nothing, which had some of the guys from Orange Goblin in it. So we were kind of friends with all those dudes and we went over and toured with them and then they came over and we toured toured here and, uh, you know, just like little week and a half tour type things. And then, uh, but yeah, England was great. You know, we went there three times. And then, uh, the third time was strictly, well, we did, we did one big show and then we did like a small kind of secret, I don't know, show in this little, this little smoky metal bar called, called the Crowbar in London. Well, that was really cool. And then we did a bunch of magazine and, you know, all the, all those big European uh, metal mags, like Metal Hammer and... Uh, you know, all those big glossy magazines. <clears throat> we did a bunch of interviews with them, and we uh, we also did a live at the BBC session. Um. So at that point, yeah, things were looking good. <laughs> and let's do something off Jaggernaut. Let's do Backwoods. Uh, you know, once again, a song about some c- sort of uh, myth- mythical beast from the great, you know, the woods of... Uh, new hampshire probably <laughs> we were you know we we, all, we had several songs like that we had the scream of the wendigo you know on that was on balls deep and there's probably a few others mixed in there but a lot a lot of songs about you know carnage in the in the in the woods of the white mountains you know
3: 2006's Jaggernaut that scissor fighting with Backwoods. Jay Fortin is our guest this week on Stillborn Goat 666 Heavy Metal Podcast. So now you're probably wondering at this point in the show, the same thing I was. Why is this band not on a major label, touring the world? They fucking rule. Jay, any idea why this never happened?
2: Uh, no. I think it was, you know, just was not in the right place at the right time. Uh,. You know, all that kind of... Just didn't get lucky like some some people do, you know? And, I mean, and you know, we we weren't, like... We weren't the kind of band that was able to... To tour on our own, like, relentlessly. And sometimes labels like to see that. Um, but that was, you know, that was, that was a different time in the music industry. So it was... Uh, Hard to say, that's what I what I think, feel like it was, you know? It felt close at times, but it just didn't, uh, just didn't, couldn't get to that next, and maybe we could have if we, if we had continued after Jaggernaut, because we did have a lot of good uh, press and stuff after that,
3: but it didn't happen. Shortly after the 2006 uh, release of Jaggernaut, Scissor Fight just kind of disappeared, much to the dismay of myself and legions of fans. So, Jay, what happened?
2: Well, you know, that album was, was hard to make because we had to record it twice. Because uh, the first time around, the the hard drive that it was on fried and they couldn't rescue it. So uh, we actually ended up doing it again, which, you know, was kind of was good because then you're like, oh, now I can change that part I didn't like, you know? Um, but yeah, we did, that album came out, and then, so we, the plan was, so like I was saying, we went to England to do a bunch of promo and interviews and photo shoots and do a couple shows. Those were going to come out, that it was planned that those interviews in magazines would come out with the release of Jaggernaut in the spring, which it did. And, uh, and then we had our buddies, uh, Orange Goblin, come over and uh, do a little tour with us in in the early spring, I think. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then so we did that, and then we did one more show in Burlington, Vermont, and then uh, in the spring of 2006. And then that was the lo- that's the last time I've
3: talked to. You. Chris. Chris Ironlung was he just fed up with things not breaking through to the next level? Yeah, I'm guessing. I mean there's there's never ever been
2: he's never ever given a reason. So it's just been we've just been guessing the whole time. We've had we've had some uh, email communications um, over the years on certain banned business things, but uh, you know, no, I haven't. So and you know, his brother was the drummer, and as far as I know, he, he doesn't even know why he
3: quit. He just kind of quit. <laughs> Didn't tell anybody. Just, yeah, disappeared. Fast forward to today, ten years later, you're back, you and Jarvis. Of course you're going to hear the, it's not scissor fight if Iron Lung's not in it, and I love everything that man did with the band, but that's a bullshit argument.
2: Jarvis and I are creating the majority of that sound, so, but, um... And, and, you know, of course, there's going to be some people who uh, are like, oh, no iron lung, no way, you know, that kind of stuff, but but very, very few. Some of the people that were kind of skeptical, and, you know, changed their mind real quick after they saw that video, so it was really cool.
3: Doug Ovin handling the vocals for the newly reformed scissor fight. Where'd you find this behemoth? Uh,
2: he's... he's uh, He's in another band called Iron Shin from around this area. And we, uh, Paul and I had, you know, in some of our other bands, uh, played with them and just, you know, just kind of knew him from around. And he plays bass and sings in that band. And uh, Jarvis went to see them, went to see Iron Shin, and he said that uh, at one point they had a guest bass player and Doug so Doug just took the, the you know the front guy position and he was he was like this guy's awesome you know, we gotta check this dude out. So he was kind of in our uh,
3: in our minds before we even realized we were gonna do this. After ten years, Jay, what, what made you want, want to resurrect, resurrect Scissor fight?
2: fight? Well, I mean the thing is we've always wanted to do it, you know.
3: Like we never Paul and I never
2: understood why it how it could end or why it would end you know and why who would walk away from that you know it seemed stupid and you know and kevin didn't understand and you know for a little while we communicated a lot and you know we even at one point got together the three of us and tried to write some tunes just in case iron lung wanted to become a studio guy you know (laughs) and uh and you know, I think a few years ago I had emailed Kevin about getting the band back together, but he didn't. He doesn't want to do it without Chris. Uh, so, but you know, for Jarvis and I, we've always wanted to to do it. And um, so last year, uh, this. Do you know Smutty Nose Beer? So they, we, you know, we have a friend that works for them, and he contacted me about possibly doing a scissor fight beer, you know? And uh, so, of course, I said, yeah, of course. And, it, you know, it kind of like reignited a little bit of interest in the band, and, um, which was cool. I mean, at this point, we, we still didn't think we were going to bring scissor fight back but we, we we were in a we were in another band and so one of the local bars um, had a like a scissor fight night where they served the beer and we had some friends come up from Boston and in their bands and and everybody did a few scissor fight songs and it was it was awesome you know it was really fun and it was at that point that we started thinking about like you know it's our band why don't we let's just, just do it again you know and uh, so many people want to hear these songs live you know and and I I mean over the last 10 years it's just I've never it's it's just constantly you know like
3: we you know like people want to hear it and that's the past time for the future where does scissor fight go from here fired up and
2: you know we want to take it to where wherever it'll go uh, you know we got a lot of shows around here that um, you know we got shows sold out and I know that you know I mean people to me it's like you know I try I made it very clear on through social media you know that it's to make sure no one thinks it's a reunion of the old lineup you know and people don't They don't really mind, you know, so there's a lot of interest in it and, you know, shows are selling out and we're going to be in the studio in a couple weeks and we're going to record an EP with new stuff and, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be out as soon as possible. I have, like, a never-ending supply of of riffs for music, (laughs) Uh, but... Yeah, we've, we've been we we've, we rehearsed twice a week and have been since uh, January and uh, you know we're just getting getting the you know we had we had to make sure we got had the this, all the songs down good for that for that first show and that went really amazing and uh, and now you know and we've just been writing new stuff yeah it's got to feel good, good man yeah it's great it's awesome you know and because I mean, you know, the, the, I mean, we've been in other bands, and but you know, it's, of course, you know, it's it's uh, not quite the same. And all you know, for especially for me and and Jarvis, you know, alls alls all we used to hear at gigs is like, "Hey, what happened to Scissor Fighter? Where's Scissor Fighter? When's Scissor Fight coming back?" You know, so you know, you run into people in the store. Hey, you're the guy from Scissor Fight. What are you guys doing? You know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it, you know, it, it feels really good to to be able to bring it to the people. You know, Doug is you know obviously when when we you know we saw it, we got Doug in the band. You know, of course we made it clear that you know you're not just here to imitate Iron Lung. You know. <laughs> um, you know he's got to put his own take on things and that was the whole thing you know to just kind of you know you know pay respect and to the old stuff but also you know write new stuff and which is going to be a little you know vocally like a little harder a little hard edge a little harder edged you know a yeah more aggressive
3: which is i love it you know it's it's awesome. Jay Fortin from Scissor Fight, our special guest this week on Stillborn Goat 666 Heavy Metal Podcast. One of my favorite bands of all time. Welcome back, guys. We've all missed you. Can't wait to hear new music. Finally, hopefully get a chance to see it live. So you guys go like them on Facebook for all the updates. Like us on Facebook also. We'll keep you posted on everything going on with Scissor Fight as well. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a nice rating. Check out everything the Astro Radio Z Network has. Lots of very cool shows. Derek and the crew are the best thing going today in the world of film podcasts. Kind of like we're the best in underground metal. You see what I did there? I pulled a little Gene Simmons. Anyway, next week our guests are Skeleton Wolf. A new album out. Some really great black and raunchy thrash stuff. You're going to dig it. So until next time, stay heavy, stay brutal, and I will see your ass in the pit.